Hello everyone, my name is Arti and this is the Mahabharata. Episode 28, A House in Flames Our last episode left us knotted with anxiety, our hearts full of foreboding. The Pandavas have just driven away, ostensibly for a long vacation in the resort town of Varnavat. But we have knowledge that their lives are in grave danger. Of course, the Pandavas in peril should be no news to us. We know Duryodhana resents Yudhishthira as crown prince, and we've watched him try to exterminate the brothers many times over. But this instance feels different. This is a mature plan, hatched with the complicity of the powerful warrior Karana and Duryodhana's wily uncle Shakuni. And it involves the participation of Dhritarashtra, whose active connivance was picked up on wiretaps installed by rogue NSA operatives circumventing warrants. On the face of it, the conspiracy is simply to remove the Pandavas from the scene for just enough time to allow Duryodhana to consolidate his hold on power. But as they prepared documents, Agents are debating whether Dhritarashtra was aware of the conspiracy's true objective, which we learned from Vidura's ominous messages, is to eliminate them altogether. But did he actually say so? demands the boss as she reviews the paperwork. We're talking about the king here. When the matter goes to court, the evidence must be overwhelming and incontestable. Not in so many words, but that's just to give himself plausible deniability, the team insists. Look at the history. He's already witnessed multiple assassination attempts and dismissed them as boys being boys. There's no way he thinks he's just sending these kids on vacation to return a few months later. The Pandavas will be no less dangerous a year on or two. This is absolutely a conspiracy to murder. Even the townsfolk are suspicious, pipes in another, who's monitoring Duryodhana's associates. The FBI just picked up a fellow who swears the king is plotting to kill his brother's children, anyone who can obstruct his son's path to the throne. They discuss further, then the boss wraps up. Unfortunately, nothing we haven't seen before. She'd cut her teeth on the Ashoka case, where the prince had exterminated 99 of his siblings to claw his way to the throne. His late-life epiphany, not to mention brilliant PR team, had absolved him in the eyes of the public, but she was a cynic by profession, and her life investigating criminals didn't allow for the likelihood of such post-hoc redemption. While the FBI investigates discreetly, Camera 2 is riding along with the Pandava family, now arriving at the address given them by the king. That's not a guest house, that's a mansion, exclaims Nakula, as liveried guards rush to open the gates of the Tuscan-style villa. They pull up into a wide circular driveway. I like it. Are you sure this is a trap? 
the others roll their eyes at his naive view of the world. We're living in a dangerous world, mate, Arjuna tells him. Get used to it. A squirrely looking attendant is awaiting them at the door. Purochana, he introduces himself. I'm the minister assigned by King Dhritarashtra to look after your needs while you're here. You can call me anytime. Name even sounds like an arsonist, Sahadeva whispers. Purochana throws the family around. My lady's quarters are to the right here, he informs Kunti courteously. There's a large ensuite, a walk-in closet, even a shoe shrine. What's that smell? Bhima asks provocatively as they check out the wine cellar. Smells like lacquer. Arjuna punches him from behind. Oh, that's just the new house smell, responds Purochana smoothly. Freshly painted and finished. The woodwork was just varnished yesterday. I'll get them to open some windows. He finishes the house tour at the pool with its tiki bar and hands them the keys. I live in the gatehouse in case you need anything. 24-7 I'll be available. That's reassuring, says Arjuna dryly as they watch the man leave. The place is a tinderbox. Everything is flammable. Five minutes and we'll be grilled cheese, agrees Bhima, who's always hungry. Speaking of which, they have lunch, then get down to business. After lunch, they go exploring. The good thing is, we're in a wooded area, says Arjuna, so we may be able to do things covertly. Here's what I think. The three of you should take mum and go sightseeing every day. Be tourists. Look like you're having a good time. Bhima and I will go out hunting. That'll give us an opportunity to learn the forest trails. During the day, we'll do recon. At night, we'll dig. Arjuna sounds confident, but I know what you're thinking. Dig a tunnel? With what? A spoon? Isn't that rather a laborious project? Not to mention requiring, you know, some rudimentary engineering skill, a little bit of noise, and some heavy machinery? Okay, fine. The task before them is daunting. This would be a good time for their heavenly fathers to jump in with some divine assistance. But the gods seem as much distracted by the Disney rides as everyone else, and the Pandavas are left to their own devices. They must prepare an escape plan from a house that's constructed to turn to ash within minutes, which could happen at any time without warning. And if you're not actually a mole or a porcupine, it's hard to dig a tunnel surreptitiously without hitting gas lines or upsetting the neighbours. And then there's Duryodhana's spy Purochana, always lurking about creepily. Checking the doorbell, he explains one morning. Then he's on a ladder by Arjuna's bedroom window, all just touching up paint. Every time they turn around, he's on the doorstep, looking shady. While the five brothers ponder the challenge before them, a couple of burly men appear at the door. Vidura sent us, they explain. Password is Mole House. The new guys are engineers. One is a demolitions expert trained with Mossad. 
The other is on loan from Elon Musk's boring company. They come equipped with geological surveys and military-grade explosives, not to mention a trunk full of shovels. They get to work creating a plan. Over the next few days, the team establishes a routine. The twins go for a run every morning, taking different routes each day to learn the neighborhood. In the evening, they all go out ambling to football games or cricket matches to size up the locals. One morning, Nakula and Sahadeva race home from their run, arriving breathless. It's worse than we thought, Nakula says, panting. The utility building down the street is actually an armory. We saw soldiers and thousands of rifles. We're so screwed. Calm down, let's not panic, says Arjuna. That just means we need to be extra vigilant. Any movement and we'll have to mobilize quickly. Let's get this tunnel done. Fortunately for them, as part of its celebrations, the city of Varnavat hosts a nightly fireworks display. The environmental haze and the noise allows the Pandavas to disguise their nocturnal activities. They synchronize their blast schedule to the fireworks arm. In between, they dig, dig and dig, clearing the dirt Shawshank style. The tunnel takes almost a year to complete. With unrelenting persistence, they burrow through the earth, working eight-hour shifts, bumping bemused hedgehogs and snakes until they can exit deep into the heart of the woods. As a precaution, they also start sleeping in the tunnel every night. One morning, Yudhishthira receives a text from Uncle Vidura. Hope you're having fun and staying out of trouble, reads the breezy message. Mostly quiet here, except for a tragic accident that took us 14 days to clear up. 14 days. Yudhishthira glances at the calendar. Amavasya. They're planning it for the night of the new moon. They sit together and strategize. Why don't we preempt them by lighting the fire ourselves? Kunti suggests. They won't be expecting it the day before. Brilliant, Yudhishthira agrees. We'll have a party, invite lots of people. There'll be music and dancing and booze flowing like water. When everyone's distracted, we'll slip out, make it look like an accident. They plan everything down to the last detail. When everyone's wasted, you lot slip into the tunnel, proposes Elon Musk's deputy. I'll cover the entrance and give you a half-hour head start. You'll have to run like mad, get as far away as possible. But what about Porochina? protests Bhima, who's not your turn-the-other-cheek kind of guy. No way we're leaving that scumbag to suck oxygen after he's done all this to us. Leave that to me, says the Mossad guy. I'll light the fire. It's going to start at the armory, which is right beside Porochina's house, and that homicidal cretin will be coughing smoke all the way to hell before the fire hits this house. But how will we convince Duryodhana we're dead? questions Sahadeva. Won't they come looking for us? At this, everyone pauses. Nobody wants to respond, though everyone knows the answer. 
In war, there's always collateral damage, says Kunti. Getting up. Come, we have work to do. The front page of the Hastinapur Times a few days later holds some truly bombshell news. Entire Pandava family dead, gasps the headline. House fire at Varnavat. Seven dead, six in hospital. Horrified townsfolk are frozen before television sets, frantic for news. Varnavat police confirmed today that they have recovered the charred remains of six bodies in the Pandavas residence and another at an adjacent building, states the NDTV anchor Eyes Puffy from Crime. The second building was the home of the Prince Duryodhana's minister Purochana, who had been attending upon the Pandavas during their stay at Varnavat. Several additional members of Purochana's household suffered smoke inhalation but are currently in stable condition at Varnavat General Hospital. The five Pandava brothers, however, along with their mother, have all been pronounced deceased. An incomprehensible tragedy of catastrophic proportions. Condolences pour in from around the world. The BBC team has an informant in the Varnavat police station. Police reports confirm that in the spirit of the festival, the Pandavas hosted a party last night, opening their home to all who lived in the neighbourhood. Some 200 people may have attended. There was alcohol and revelry late into the night. Many interviewed were too inebriated to recall accurate details. CNN posts a graphic content warning before its broadcast. The fire appears to have been sparked by faulty wiring at a utility building close to the premises of the Pandavas. It led to a massive explosion, with fire spreading to Minister Puruchana's residence and from there to the Pandavas. The bodies were so badly burned as to make positive identification impossible. But forensic experts sadly confirm that the remains are of five men and one woman. Clearly, the Pandavas and their mother, Kunti. A shocking tragedy, leaving the country reeling in disbelief. The townsfolk of Hastinapur wail in paroxysms of grief. Some are outright incredulous. How's it possible, they demand. Yudhishthira, dead? He was just pronounced crown prince last year. And Arjuna, greatest warrior of all time? Bhima, the giant? How can it be? But soon, the reality sets in. The flag for the city is lowered to half-mast and the Hastinapur palace issues a statement. The Bharata family is heartbroken to report the dreadful news of the demise of its beloved members, snatched from them by death in a devastating accident. All of King Pandu's children, along with his dear wife, Kunti. Only now is Pandu truly dead. Precious son, brother, father, king. The state will spare no expense to investigate these calamitous events, 
the remains of Kunti and her sons will be repatriated to Hastinapur and last rites will be performed for all the heroes with appropriate solemnity and ritual. The state will observe a one-month period of mourning. While Bhishma, who surely had his suspicions, grieves, and Trithrashtra and his sons profess sorrow, the Pandava's friends are apparetic. The brothers were popular in both cities, and many huddled in cafes are sceptical. The whole family dead? In an accident? That's implausible. Rather convenient coincidence, isn't it? mutter others. Who does it benefit? Duryodhana had both motive and opportunity. Yet others, who knew of Purochana's relationship to Duryodhana, were suspicious. Everyone knows Purochana was his stooge, always skulking about doing his bidding. But why blame Duryodhana? It's Dhritarashtra at fault. Is there anyone naive enough to think he's not involved? No one, however, doubts that the Pandavas are dead and both cities are plummeted into gloom. Preparations for state funerals begin. Every law enforcement official is preoccupied with the tragedy. One intrepid agent, however, is poring over an unrelated case, a missing persons report tossed haphazardly into another file, of no consequence because the petitioner is a low-class Nishad girl. What do you think of this report, boss? This Nishad girl is complaining that her mother and five brothers have been missing since the day of the new moon. See what it says? My little siblings and I were hungry, so my mother and big brothers went searching for food. They still haven't returned. Hmm, says the boss, an irate sort of fellow already angry at the loss of the heroes. He had liked the Pandavas. He flings the file into the trash. Stop wasting your time with stupid things, will you? He yells. We're dealing with a disastrous event. Five eminent princes dead, and you're worried about missing vagrants? Get back to work before I fire you. The agent trudges away unhappily, thinking to retrieve the file later. In our next episode, we'll check back with the Pandavas. How do they fare in the tunnel? Do they make it to the woods? Do Duryodhana's hounds find them? Let's see if you'll join me for another episode of the Mahabharata.